Once again, welcome here to Big Valley Grace. Welcome to those of you watching online, listening on the radio. It was good to be over with all of you over in the venue over there. And thank you, Pastor Jared and Pastor Brandon and Pastor Joel for uh, leading over there. It's good uh, that we can all be together here. Well, for those of you that are visiting with us every week here at Big Valley Grace, we, um, we have a video, uh, we call it a non-ashamed video of somebody in our church family and kind of a little vignette of their life. And this week, it's about Mike Mayday McDonald, and we wanted you to kind of get a, a real life view of, of how God worked in his life. So watch the Jumbotrons. When I was a really little kid, I saw that everybody who did something great did something hard. And I remember asking God to have a hard life because I wanted to have a special life. When I was 13 years old, um, my older brother decided that he was going to go and train. He wanted to become a fighter. I didn't. And he made me do it anyways. And I got beat up for about three months until I pulled off my first arm bar and then I fell in love with Jiu-Jitsu too. Uh, as a job, I fight people in a cage um, all around the world. When I was in high school, I was most likely to succeed. I was uh, very popular, um, very successful as a champion, even at, uh, at, the, at my age. I had everything that should have made me happy. I had money and popularity and fame, but I was very empty. I was very confused because I did everything that the world said should make me happy, but I was not happy at all. When I was 19 years old, after about six months of a depression, I had a private lesson and the guy was an hour late. I remember I went out into uh, First and F Street in Oakdale. Everything just kind of came to a standstill. Everyone looked so happy and I was so broken. And it was the first time in my life that I questioned why I was even alive. And at that exact moment, God immediately said to me, I love you and I'm gonna give you a taste of joy. Man, I ran across that street jumping and screaming and hollering, it was the happiest I've ever been in my life. And uh, I remember I said, I, maybe, maybe I should give this God thing another try. So one thing that's very important to me is I want to be authentic me, Christian me. Um, in front of however many people it is, whether it's 10 people, one person, a million people, or 10 million. When I'm walking out to the cage, I want to worship. This is a great time, and this is a, a time where I have to you know, take everything that I am and put it into the hands of the Lord. My walkout song when I'm coming out to a fight is Today's the Day by Lincoln Brewster. When he came to Big Valley Grace for the Christmas concert, I knew I had to go and meet him, and I had to tell him, hey man, I need to use your song. Today is the day. That is the song that I need to, to come out to for my fights for the rest of my life. The world that I work in is not exactly a Christian environment, and it's not always accepting of my Christian values. It's cost me job opportunities. I've been ridiculed. I've been made fun of. And sometimes that can be hard, and that can be scary, and sometimes it can make me just want to go into a shell and just, you know, maybe I'm going to keep this secret. But what's more scary is for me to lay my head down at the end of the day and to know that there's somebody who's just like me at that time, completely broken, and needs Jesus. And I don't want to miss out on that opportunity. Scripture that's very important to me is 1 Corinthians 9. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. The real prize is not the check, it's not the championship, it's not the win, it's not a highlight reel. The real championship is the work that it, and, and the treasure that is stored up in heaven. And this is just another way that I can do that. 
If you're watching this video today, it doesn't matter whether you have all the toys in the world and all the success, or it doesn't matter if you're completely broken and empty. The best thing you can do with your life is to follow Jesus Christ and to make Him your Lord and Savior. My name is Michael McDonald. I'm a UFC fighter, and I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. The great apostle Paul said, whether you eat or whether you drink or whatever it is you do, do it all to the glory of God. And so here we're told that in the mundane things of life, eating, drinking, you can bring honor and glory to God, which obviously means that in the bigger things of life, you can also bring honor and glory to God. And uh, Mike does that with his life. He's a, a, a great friend and a great servant of the Lord. You'll see him around here often, uh, especially down here on Tuesday nights to celebrate recovery. Well, here's the deal. I, um, been a pastor at Big Valley Grace a long time, about 30 years, over 30 years now. And I uh, am asked lots of questions uh, about the Bible, okay? Obviously, uh, when I go speak places here, after gatherings, before gatherings, it could be over at the school, wherever it is I go, I'm often asked questions about the Bible. And probably the number one question I'm asked goes something like this. Pastor Rick, the, the Bible is a big book, and there's lots of pages there, and it talks about all kinds of things within these pages, but what would um, the primary message of the Bible be? If you had to boil it down to a sentence or two, Pastor Rick, what, what's it about? What's the primary message of the, the, the Bible? And it's a good question. And the good news is, is that there's a good answer. I don't need one or two sentences. I only need one word. The primary message, the great message of the Bible is Jesus. When you look at the 39 books in the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all the way through Malachi, there's a message, and that is that Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Savior is coming. In Genesis chapter 3, we read about sin. Adam, Eve, blowing God off, disobeying God, and it brought sin into the world. We've all been in, impacted, infected with sin. And so from Genesis chapter 3 on, the story is about Jesus. The Messiah is coming. The Savior is coming. The gospel is coming. Then when you get to the 27 books of the New Testament... Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, all the way through the book of Revelation, the story is Jesus has come. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we read about the fact that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born for you. We celebrate that on December 25th, right? The fact that the long-awaited Messiah, the long-awaited Savior, the gospel, Jesus has now came in to the world. And so, really, 
almost every page of this book is a story, a message about Jesus, which is why here at Big Valley Grace, everything we do is about Jesus. On, in our children's ministries right now, all over our campus, uh, last night there were hundreds and hundreds, last night was unbelievable here. I mean, there was just a ton of people and children and kids and people being baptized, and we're going we're gonna to do it again next hour and all of that. Everything our children's ministries does is about Jesus. We're teaching our children about Jesus. Our youth ministries here are all about Jesus. Uh, our Celebrate Recovery ministries are all about Jesus. Our men's ministries, our women's ministries is all about Jesus. Our missions department, our reach department is all about Jesus. Our counseling and parenting ministries is all about Jesus. There was that great moment as we were uh, you know, praying for our parents and, and these young children where the Bible is put into their hands. The, the Bible, the book about Jesus, that he's coming, that he's come. Big Belly Grace is all about Jesus. The reason why we gather on Saturday night, Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock, it's all about Jesus. All the songs that we do in here, whether it's with a choir and orchestra or whether with a band or whether we sing something a cappella, it's all about Jesus. All the songs have to do with Jesus. So everything we do here is about Jesus. Now with this said, is this as a foundation, I thought I'd share with you uh, the five core values of this church. These are five things that are, are super important to us. And they're taken from two moments in the life of Jesus, two moments where he shares some weighty things with us. They're kind of famous passages. One's called the greatest commandment passage, and one's called the great commission. And so what I want to do is just have a little bit of fun with you. I think it'll be um, instructive. Whether you've been here for 10, 20, 30 years, or this is your first time, that you would know what this church values. But as you drive by this place on Tully Road, or you go down, you know, whatever, and you see all the cars, we have so many cars here, we're parking out at the high school today, and we're shuttling people over. We're just, just when you see all the cars, and you see all the people, you'll know what it is that we value as a church. And as I said, these come from the very words of, of, of Jesus. So here we go, okay? About 2,000 years ago, a young lawyer came to Jesus and asked him a question. And we uh, find that question in Matthew chapter 22. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Matthew chapter 22. If you don't have a Bible, most of the verses will be inside your program or they'll come up on the jumbotrons, as you can see, because we want you to see the word of God for yourself. If you don't own a copy of the Bible, and we live in a culture now where, you know, some of you may not have a Bible. I grew up and we weren't a Christian home, we weren't a Christian family, but we had a Bible. Uh, today, that's not true. And if you don't own a copy of the word of God, all you have to do is go into the altar room here and the altar room over in the venue, or if you're watching online, listening on the radio, just come down to the church on Monday, and we'll give you a copy. It's one of the things that we love to do. We give away lots and lots of Bibles here at Big Valley Grace because we want you to have the Word of God uh, for yourself. This long, 
young lawyer asked this question. Jesus, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Of, of all the commandments that there were in the Old Testament, this young lawyer wants Jesus to answer, what's, what's the most important one? And there were well over 400 commandments, at least in the Old Testament, that were given. We all know the Big Ten, right? But there were a whole lot more than the Big Ten. And so this lawyer asked a pretty good question. Hey, Jesus, if you had to rank, you know, which one's the most important, which one would it be? And without hesitation, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. That's the question that the young lawyer asked. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He says, I want to tell you what the second most important commandment is. Now, the guy didn't ask about what was number two. He only wanted to know what number one was. But it was important enough to know what number two is that Jesus just kept going. And he said, a second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. In other words, all the laws that were given have to deal with these two things, that you would love God and love others. All the prophets who came and spoke, you know, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, they were all about, hey, you need to love God and you need to care about your, your neighbor. It's all tied up in those two things. And so in this particular passage, we find the first two of our five core values, okay? And the first one is this. Our first core value as a church is that we would, as a church family, love Jesus above all else. And that makes sense that it would be our first core value. If the Old Testament was all about the fact that Jesus was coming, and the New Testament was all about the fact that Jesus has come, and if the message of the scriptures is Jesus, then the first core value that we have as a church is that we would be a family of believers who loved Jesus above all else. We call this worship here. Okay, in fact, I want everybody to do this. I want everybody to put their hands up like this. Okay, everybody put their hands up like this. We're going to learn some sign language or hand motions today, okay? This represents worship. You tend to see people doing this. There may have been people here, maybe somebody in front of you or behind you. This represents our first core value as a church. Jesus said the greatest commandment was that you would love God above all else that he would be the primary love in your life. This is without a doubt one of the great themes found in the scriptures. It's one of the dominant themes. God wants you to love him. He wants you to freely love him. He wants you to surrender your life over to him, repent of your sin, and love him. Now, most of you have probably heard of the Ten Commandments. Whether you're here and you believe in God or not, or you believe in Jesus or not, or you believe in the Bible or not, you've probably heard of the Ten Commandments. Maybe you saw the, the movie where Charlton Heston, you know, comes from the mountain and he's got the 
two great tablets in his hands, the Ten Commandments. Well, the first one, number one, is this. God says you must not have any other God but me. Now, the order of the Ten Commandments aren't by accident. God intentionally put the first one first because it's the most important one. God says, I demand top priority in your life. I don't play second fiddle to anybody or anything. You shall have no other gods but me. By the way, he deserves to be number one in your life, right? I mean, after all, he's the one that gave you your life. He created you, and you wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for God. So it's kind of a no-brainer to make sure that our love for God trumps all other loves. God doesn't say that you're, you can't love other people. Obviously, you're supposed to love other people. But our love for God is to be the primary love that we have. And so it's our first core value that we have. That somehow we are a church family, that we as individual believers in God's church would keep our love for God, number one. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14. These are pretty weighty words. It says, large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and he said to them, imagine there's this massive multitude of people, and Jesus turns to him and says, if anyone comes to me, but loves his father, his mother, his wife, his children, brothers or sisters, or even his own life, more than me, he cannot be my follower. And let that sink in for a moment. Once again, Jesus isn't saying you're not supposed to love your mom and dad. Obviously, the fifth of the great Ten Commandments is you know, honor your father and your mother. God wants us to love our parents. God wants us to love our spouses. God wants us to love our children. God wants us to love our friends. He wants us to love our grandchildren. The problem is, is when we love our spouse or our parents or our kids more than we love him. As good as that is, God's word is crystal clear that the greatest thing that you can do with your life is to love him above all else. And so the first core value that we have as a church is that we would be a group of people who really put God number one in their lives. Someone once said, the most important thing you can know in life is that God loves you. And the most important thing you can do in life is to love God back. Beloved, if you do this, if you love God back, you've accomplished the most important thing in life. In fact, everything else you do today pales in comparison. You could knock a hundred things off your to-do list. You could find a cure for cancer. You could solve world hunger. You know, you, you could bring world peace. But at the end of the day, if you don't love God a little more and know God a little more, it was basically a waste of day. Why? Because God didn't create you to check things off of your to-do list. He created you that you would have fellowship with him, that you would love him above all else. 
So one of the things that happens here on the weekends here at Big Valley Grace or any Bible-believing church is that when you come, you know, you're all out there and you're serving and 166 and a half hours the church spends spread out in neighborhoods and in jobs doing things. And then there's this, this crazy moment when the church comes together. Only for an hour and a half here. Some churches, it might be an hour. Well, you all know it's an hour and 45 minutes here. But um, <laughs> uh, it, it's this weighty moment where, yes, we fellowship. And that, that's such an important thing. We pray. We bring our gifts to the Lord together. We sing songs to God and about God. We, we hear his word proclaimed. People are baptized. All this stuff happens. And what it does is it reminds us of our first core value, that we would be people who love God, who worship God above all else. Core value number two, once again, this young lawyer asks this great question, and Jesus says a second uh, commandment is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, Jesus, you know, is giving us some, some kind of great information here. By the way, this isn't a narcissistic love. He doesn't say, hey, I want you to love others the way you love yourself. You know, he's not talking about you know, loving you and navel-gazing and aren't you special and aren't you neat and aren't you unique. And our, 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 our culture today is so um, self-focused. I mean, think about it. We have those things that I call narcissistic sticks, selfie sticks. We just love ourselves, and we love to take pictures of ourselves, and we love to post pictures of ourselves because we want everybody to see us because we're just so good and so special. Look at me. It's weird. It's just kind of weird. That's not what Jesus is saying here when he says you're to love others the way you love yourself. What he's saying is, is this. The kind of love he's talking about there is this. You loved yourself to the degree that this morning when you got up, you had a need, and that was you were hungry. So you made some pancakes, you made some eggs, bacon maybe, maybe a, uh, you had some cereal or whatever it might have been. You loved yourself so much that you met a need that you had. You were hungry. And there's nothing wrong with that. You, you have to love yourself like that. But Jesus says you can't stop there. You had a need, you met the need. But what about other people who don't have food for breakfast this morning? You love yourself to the degree that when it's cold outside, you put a warm coat on. Nothing wrong with that. But you can't stop there. What about others that might be in the world or in your neighborhood or in our town or county who don't have a coat to put on? They can't meet a need like that in their life. And what Jesus is saying is, is that you are to care about others. You're to love others. The word we use is serve. You're to serve others like you care about yourself, like you serve yourself. And that is our second core value, is that we as a church family would care about other people that we would serve other people. And, and here's the hand motion for, for, for that, okay? Do that like your hands are, they're working, they're doing something, okay? So this is worship. 
Our second core value is serve. You know, you got to shovel your, your, your work and your caring about somebody else. Now, none of us are going to love God perfectly. None of us are going to serve others perfectly, but this is something that matters to God. Jesus said it was equally important to the first greatest commandment. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 10. He said, for even I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve others and give my life as a ransom for many. Beloved, I think that the phrase serve others and give my life might best summarize the Christian life. Why? Because that's what Jesus did. And unless you learn how to serve others, care about others, meet the needs of others, and unless you learn to give your life away, you're never gonna be like Jesus. Because that's what he did. And part of the, the goal of salvation isn't that, hey, we all got our tickets to heaven. Part of the, the gig is, is that we're becoming more and more transformed into his image. There's a sanctification process that begins to unpack in our lives. We're called to imitate Jesus. The Bible's all about Jesus. And if Jesus served others, and if he gave his life away, then it's a no-brainer for us. It has to be one of our core values Yes, our love for God, our worship of God is our number one core value. But number two, it has to be that we care about others, that we're serving others. Paul said this in Galatians chapter five, for you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom just to satisfy your own sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law, he's going back to what Jesus said, can be summed up in this one command. You take all the laws of the Old Testament, even the Big Ten, all 400 plus of them, it can all be summed up with this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Care about your neighbor the way you care about yourself. Serve your neighbor. That's the word that we would use. Just like you serve your own, you know, self kind of a thing. Paul said in Philippians chapter two, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, and it takes humility, uh, consider others better than yourself. And let me tell you something. Your flesh likes to be number one. Your flesh likes it when it, you, you serve it, when you care about it, when you love it. Your flesh loves that. And that's why it takes humility to pull off the second value that we have. Each of you should look not only to your own interests. He doesn't say don't look after your own interests. Obviously, you have to. Got to take care of you. Got to take care of your family if you're married. Got to take care of your children if you got them. That's part of your responsibility. The Bible talks a lot about that. So you got to take care of you, but you can't stop there. You have to also be, you know, have the interests of others somewhere rattling around 
in your mind. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, whoever wants to become great must be a servant to others. And in our culture today, the words great and servant rarely go together. But they do if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. I realize that in the world today, you know, great and servant don't go together. But they do if you're a follower of, of Jesus. So the first thing we value as a church family is loving God above all else. We call this worship. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Worship, put your hands up, put your hands up. Yeah, that's good. The second thing we value is caring about other people. We call this serve. Come on, let me see you do that. Come on, there, there you go. Yeah, right. You're doing it over in the venue, right? Come on. If you're driving in your car right now, don't do that. You hang on to the wheel, all right? <laughs> Core value number three. And now we're gonna move to the Great Commission, which is found in Matthew 28. And if you'd like to turn there, you can do that. Core value number three is this, is that we as a church family have a heart for those that don't know Jesus. We call this reach here at Big Valley Greats. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And because of that, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go. Everybody say that word. Go. Say it again. Go and make disciples of all the nations. In a moment, I'm going to talk about the importance of this moment, okay? And it is important that the church come together and you look at the back of someone's neck for an hour and a half. This is important, okay? But Jesus said, Hey, look, there's a moment when you get up out of these chairs, you walk out these doors, and you go. You go back to your neighborhoods. You go back to your jobs, your careers. You go back to that foursome you play golf with. You go, and you have to care about those that are lost, who don't know Christ. Listen to what Jesus said in Luke chapter 19. He said, for the Son of Man... That's Jesus, came to seek and to save what was lost. So in Genesis chapter 3, sin enters the world, and we got a mess on our hands. And the Old Testament, those 39 books, is Jesus is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Savior's coming. Sin has messed up this planet. It's the reason why when you open your newspaper on any given day, you just see how messed up the planet is. And it's all because of sin. But God said, I'm sending you a savior. I'm sending you somebody. And you get to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we read about the fact that the savior has come. But why do we celebrate Christmas? What's the point of that tree inside of your house? What's the point of all those lights up on your home? The point is this. He came to seek and to save that was lost. All of us were lost because of sin. In fact, I was so lost, I didn't even believe in God at some moment in my life for a lot of years. Some of you are so lost, you don't believe in God. I get it, I've been there. A friend invited you today and we're just so happy you're here. Man, I'm glad you're here. But I know what you're doing. I know what you're thinking because I used to think the same thing. Hey, this is really nice. Hey, the music wasn't so bad. This is great. Hey, thanks for all that you're doing. But I don't even believe in God. I think that there was a moment when there was nothing 
And then poof, magically there was something. I used to believe that. But the reason why we celebrate Christmas is because Jesus came to seek and to save that was, was lost. Now, Jesus also says this in John chapter 17. He's praying to his Father in heaven. He says, Father, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. Now, I want to make sure you get this. God so loved people, so loved you, that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to seek and to save the lost. And in John 17, Jesus commissions you and I to join him in this search and rescue mission. You can't miss that. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost, and now here he is praying to the Father, and he says, Father, just as you sent me into the world, I'm now sending them into the world. This has to be one of our core values, that we reach the, the, the lost. Everybody do this. You reach the lost. You're, you're giving them the bread of life. You, you want to share with them the gospel. Do this. Come on, everybody do this. Come on, put your hands out like this. This is, I want you to remember this, especially those of you that go to Big Valley Grace. I want you to know what our core values are here. We have to love God above all else. We've got to care, serve others, and we have to be about reaching people who don't know Christ. We're one of his ambassadors. You see, there was a time when I was lost, <laughs> but there were people who took the scripture seriously. They understood their responsibility to share with me the good news of the gospel. And never in a zillion years did I think I'd end up, you know, behind a pulpit doing this. But because there were some people who took seriously the mandate from Jesus that we are to go, he's sending us Wow, I'm saved today. And you know what? Here's the deal. Christian, think about those who were in your life. Maybe it was your mother. Maybe it was your father. But guess what? Somehow they had to have heard about Christ. Somebody shared the gospel with you. For some of you, it might be the fact that somebody brought you here now and you're hearing it for the first time from me. Somebody has got to open their mouth and say something about Jesus and the gospel. And that's one of our core values. Somebody shared with me the, the, the truth, the truth about my sin and the consequences it brought, the truth about heaven and hell, the truth about God's love and mercy, the truth about Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, the truth about the fact that he walked out of that tomb. Jesus said this in Mark chapter 16. He said, he, that's Jesus, said to them, his followers, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. And when you see that word right there, preach, that can goof you up because you can think, well, man, do I got to carry a pulpit around and everywhere I go, you know, set it up in, the, in my court and preach? Or do I got to show up at work and, you know, preach? No, that word just means to proclaim. Talk about it. Some may get up behind a pulpit and proclaim it from behind a pulpit on a Sunday morning like this, but all of us are to proclaim it, whether it be at home, at the job, out on the golf course, or whatever it might, whatever it might be. In fact, this is so important to God 
that Jesus said this in Acts chapter one. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. You see, one of the reasons that God gave you the Holy Spirit was that you would have the power to sing. No, anybody can sing. You have that power within you that you would be able to share the good news. Talk about the good news. So the first thing we as a church value worship is loving God above all else. We call that worship. The second thing we value is caring about other people. You know, we call that serve. And the third thing that we value is having a heart for the lost. We call that reach, okay? Our fourth core value that we as a church family would do life with each other. We call this connect. Take your hands, go like this. Connect. Come on, do it. Connecting. Jesus said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all the nations. And then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. One of the reasons why you saw people being, you know, going under the water three times is because this is a church that gives honor to all three persons of the Trinity in the name of the Father and the name of the Son and the name of the Holy Spirit. And when they come up out of the water, a number of things are being communicated there. Number one is they're, they're dying to their old self. Remember, they've all said, I've repented of my sin. And they're coming up to new life in Christ. And that new life now connects them to the body of Christ in a very unique way. When a person's baptized, they're saying, hey, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. I am now a part of God's family. I'm now connected to something that's far bigger and greater than anything I've ever been connected to and ever will be connected to. The writer of Hebrews said this, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, God wants you to meet regularly with your spiritual family. And I want you to know there's a difference between attending a church and belonging to a church. Big difference. A lot of you here, you attend. You're here. And all you do is look at the back of someone's neck for an hour and a half. And this is something that God wants us to do. He wants us to gather like this. But attending is not belonging. God wants you to belong. And for some of you, the decision you need to make today is, you know what, I've been attending this church for a long, long time. I need to join it. And you need to come to the discovery class and say, hey, count me in, man. I want all the pastors and the elders to know I'm a part of what's going on here. I'm putting my stake down and I want to belong. I'm, I'm not just going to attend anymore. I'm going to get involved somewhere. I'm going to get involved in our men's ministry, our women's ministry, CR ministries. I'm going to, you know, uh, mentor a young person or a teenager. 
I'm going to sing in the choir. I, I, I play the trumpet. I play the guitar. I play the drums. Hey, count me in. I, I'm tired of just attending. I want to belong to the church. I, I really want to connect in a, in a deeper, deeper way. The wisest man that ever lived said, two people are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up, but pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. That's Ecclesiastes chapter four. We tend to hear that a lot at, at weddings, and it's true in the marital context, no doubt about it. But here's the bottom line. You, you need others to watch out for you. You need others who will warn you. You need others that will help you stay, stay on track. And by the way, other people need you to watch after them and, and keep track of them and make sure that they stay on track. We need each other. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those signs when you're driving through a neighborhood that says neighborhood watch. Ever seen those signs? You know what that sign says? That sign is basically saying we are a community that watches after each other. So don't mess around in this neighborhood. I care about my neighbor's house. My neighbor cares about my house. It's a, it's a sign of community. I'll bet when you go on vacation, listen to me, I'll bet you call your neighbor up or a family member up or a friend up and say, hey, will you watch over my house while I'm on vacation? Because God forbid someone would break in and steal your stuff, right? And I'll, you've probably had a neighbor call you up and say, hey, you know, I'm going on vacation. Would you watch over my home? I don't want someone stealing my stuff. Let me tell you something. You got anybody watching over your soul? We got an enemy out there who wants to steal stuff from your soul. But is anybody watching after it? You got someone watching your home over your stuff. I get it. But what about your soul? You need somebody in your life that will keep you on track and encourage you to get into the word, memorize the word, come to church, sing songs, use your gifts, have a heart for the lost. You need those people in your life. And by the way, they need you in your life to say, how are you doing in your walk with the Lord? Man, are you doing okay? Everything all right? What was the last verse you memorized or whatever? I get it. You need to watch over your stuff at your home, but there's something far more important than your stuff. And that's your... Your, your, your soul. And our last core value, last but not least, is number five, and that is this, that we as a church family continue to mature into fully devoted followers of Jesus. We call this grow. Okay, imagine a, imagine a plant. Everybody do this. It's growing. It's coming up out of the ground. Come on, come on, come on. Everybody do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's one of our core values in that great passage called the Great Commission. I want you to go and make disciples of all the nations. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he says this, I want you to teach these new disciples that you've reached to obey. It's a key word in this little phrase here. All the commands that I have given you. Listen, God loves you just the way you are but he loves you so much he doesn't want to leave you in the condition you're in. He wants you to become more and more like his son. He wants the, the sanctification process to carry on in your life. 
Yes, he loves you just the way you are. You don't clean yourself up and then come to God. You just give your life to him just the way you are. But there's this idea from Jesus that not only is the church here to teach you, but it's also here to teach you to the degree that you actually live it out in your life. That's when you become more and more like Christ. That's the sanctification process going down in your life. Romans chapter 8 says, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son. Peter said this, and in 1 Peter chapter 1, he said, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then he says this, As obedient children, don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. In other words, don't live like you used to live, Christian. Don't, don't, don't do that. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Here's the deal. God's holy. He's holy, not like God. And now you're one of his people, right? And he says, look, now that you're a part of my family, I'm holy. I need you to be holy. I need you to reflect me. You represent me now. You, 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 live, you live differently. And that process, that sanctification process goes down and, and we become fully devoted followers of Christ or we're growing, we're maturing in our faith. Uh, I, I remember once I had my son, Cade, and we were sitting there talking and something that happened and I said, Cade, I, I want you to understand something. When you're at school or you're playing on your baseball team or you're out running around with your friends, your last name is Countryman. And that name means something, son. You represent that name well. God says, I'm holy, and I want my people to be holy. Same principle. Okay, you represent me. You represent our name. Be careful how you live. And then I was able to say, now here's the deal, okay? There, there's another name that's far more important that you represent. And that's the name of Jesus. You're one of his followers. And how you live, how you conduct yourself on the ball diamond, how you conduct yourself at school, how you conduct yourself when you run around the neighborhood with your friends is important because you represent his name too. Reflect his name well. Now, no one's gonna do it perfectly. We all blow at it at, at times. But obviously, holiness, growing in our faith is important. Peter said, like newborn babies, <clears throat> you must crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you will grow up into a full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you have tasted of the Lord's kindness. And Peter uses those unbelievable words, crave the word, desire the word so that by it you may grow up, by it you may be, you know, uh, transformed in the image of his son, by it somehow we live these holy lives that God wants us to live. It's the reading of the word, the studying of the word, the memorizing of the word, the meditating on the word, and most importantly, actually then doing, living out the word. 
living out the, the scriptures that helps us to live this holy life, that helps us to you know, be more like Jesus, helps us grow and mature into a fully devoted follower of, of Jesus Christ. Paul says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Somehow you cannot take this out of the grow process. This is the thing that all of us who name the name of Christ have to spend our time reading and studying and all those kinds of things. Okay, over in the venue, stand up. Everybody here and stand up. Here's how I want to end this thing. We got these five core values, okay? And we're gonna just see, last night they nailed it. There's no pressure on you guys in here, but last night it was unbelievable how they nailed it, okay? So, so here's the deal. Over in the venue, I want you doing this too. So we got these five core values. The first one is... Worship, okay? The second one is serving. The third one is reaching. The fourth one is we're connecting. And the fifth one, we're growing. Those are the five core values of this church. These are things that we find in God's word that are important to God, which means they have to be important to us. And maybe... Maybe you're here and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I haven't even followed the Lord in baptism and you'd like to be baptized. Maybe you're here saying, you know, I need to join this church. Maybe you're here going, Pastor, you know what, I've been goofing this thing around. I need to grow. I need some information on how how I can grow in my my faith or whatever it might be. Hey, Pastor, how how do I better connect? If you have any questions like, like that or whatever, you could always go into the altar room and you could talk with one of our pastors one of our leaders, one of our elders, and they'd love to give us some information. We'll tell you about baptism class. We'll tell you about the discovery class. We'll tell you about all that kind of stuff, okay? Father, thank you, Lord, for this time. I'm grateful for all of the new folks that are here. I can look out and see lots of new faces. Tons of new faces here last night, and I got the feeling that we're gonna see lots of faces this next hour. Lord, as we go out and enjoy some fellowship, God, just grateful for how you have worked in this church. Give us a great time as we take our kids and our grandkids out and just hang out and be together. Maybe, maybe this is that moment when some go from just attending and they were gonna run out to their cars and get out of here to belonging. Where they go out and actually mingle amongst God's people. Thanks, Jesus, for your goodness, and I pray this in your name. And all of God's people said, amen. Okay, grab your kids. I'll see you out here in the, out in the parking lot and area.